want us to remember today too, Pam Lale, as her mother died a couple of days ago, and the funeral is today in Abington. Let's be thinking about their family today. Keep them in prayer. Read a single verse this morning from the book of Psalms. Psalm 33, verse 12. We'll ask when you find that if you'll stand in our God's honor. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Let's pray. Father, we have always needed you. And I am so grateful for the fact that, Lord, you turned us your way when we started as a nation, Lord. There is a need, Father, to see you again. I just pray for revival to sweep, not only across our nation, but in me, Lord. As the evangelist Gypsy Smith used to say, the way for revival to start is to draw a circle around you and step in that circle and say, God, set everybody on fire inside this circle. Father, may we all long for that, Lord. We do pray for Pam and her family as they miss a loved one dearly. Thank you for Jesus and the fact that in Christ, it's never goodbye, but till we meet again. Thank you, they will meet again, Lord. Just pray, asking the Holy Spirit to lead the remainder of the service as we want you to be the real audience. May our praise be lifted to you because you deserve our full allegiance, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This time of year, I'm always grateful for the ministry of David Barton and wall builders, uh, who I confess is a, a source of a lot of the history that I'll be using this morning, as David Barton has a real passion to go back and to look at the founding of our country and what was going on in the minds of our original leaders as God did his work. We all are familiar with the news. Some of us watch more than others watch. Uh, Oftentimes when we hear about religion, it's spoken of in a sense that's very objective, speaking about many different religions and everyone having the right of worship. how, How would you feel if you cut on the news this morning and you heard these stories? First, you hear from the Chief Justice of the United States of America, the Supreme Court, making this statement. Divine providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Which is actually a letter to John Murray in 1816. Or or how would you feel if this was a story Almost every state legislature has now passed a law requiring all elected officials to take this oath. I do profess faith in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, His only Son, 
And I do acknowledge the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be given by divine inspiration. And one more story. Legislation was passed today in Congress to affirm that the Congress of the United States approves and recommends that the Holy Bible be used in our public schools. That sounds so foreign in today's culture and in our land. John Jay, known as the father of the Supreme Court, made this statement. He said, it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Uh, It was the state of Delaware, along with many states in their charters, who mentioned directly the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, In Delaware, there was an affirming of anyone who would run for office to affirm their Christian faith. 1782, Congress approved the use of Bibles in schools. And not only did they approve the use, but they set aside tax dollars to pay for the Bibles to be used in the public schools. In 1844, there was a lawsuit to remove Bibles from public schools. And here was the recommendation of the Supreme Court. Why should not the Bible, and especially the New Testament, be read and taught as a divine revelation in the schools? Where can the purest principles of morality be learned so clearly or so perfectly as from the New Testament? There was an understanding, not that everybody was a Christian, but there was an understanding that we need God. We need God in our land. We need God to guide us and to lead us. And so I want to look at three primary points of those early settlers that came to America as God would shape and form this land that we so love, the United States of America. First truth, America was settled by people looking for religious freedom. You see, it wasn't so much that those early settlers who came over here were looking for gold and, and, and looking for fame. They were looking for an opportunity to worship God as their conscience dictated. Matter of fact, in 1620, when the Mayflower came over here, this was the compact, Mayflower Compact, that was expressed that their purpose, they proclaimed, was to come to the new world for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. As a matter of fact, the first building built when they arrived was a church. And the first public act was a worship service to give glory to God and to give thanks to Him that they were able to arrive to this new land. In 1643, uh, the New England Confederation was formed. And here's what was written in that first constitution in the New World. Whereas we all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and in peace. These were those original people who came here to this land with a dream to be able to worship God freely. Second truth, our founders had a strong desire to please God and to do His will. When they came there, it was a sense of mission to seek God. 
But over the next 150 years, that began to change. And that no longer served to be the main purpose for many Americans. As a matter of fact, many of the things that we're not proud of, a deterioration in spiritual values occurred in those 150 years from the first arrival of the Mayflower Compact. As a matter of fact, England uh, were emptying their prisons and sending them over here to America. And there was slavery and that were on plantations and there was a religious freedom that was being choked out by a sense of intolerance by people who were staunch in their beliefs and didn't want to accept one another. In 1692, a slave girl was brought to Salem, Massachusetts as she talked about the voodoo religion and out of that was formed what we know as the Salem Witch Trials. Matter of fact, by 1730, only 10% of Americans declared the Christian faith and were in church. The idea of that first mission for the glory of God seemed like a faint dream. But then something spectacular happened. And in 1734, God would work in a handful of preachers and evangelists. Maybe you've heard of some of these names. Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Gilbert Tennant, John Wesley, and a number of others. And they began to preach and something powerful happened. It was a miracle. Suddenly, people would, they couldn't fit in the churches. They were crowding out in the streets to hear the gospel preached. And there was such a great movement of God in the 13 colonies that now it is known in history as the Great Awakening. And, and here's what happened, guys. There was a change from 10% of those who considered themselves followers of Jesus Christ to 50%. People were coming to Christ. Hearts were being changed. They were stepping in that circle of revival and lifting their hearts up to God as they had bowed to Him. Matter of fact, Benjamin Franklin wrote these words after he had heard the preaching of George Whitfield and how God was moving. He said, It was wonderful to see the change made in the manner of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless or indifferent about religion, it seemed as if all the world were growing religious, so that no one could not walk through the town in an evening without hearing psalms sung in different families of every street. And this was in Philadelphia. Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, built a building that would hold 30,000 people. This is in the 1730s. As they would pack in to hear preaching of the gospel. So, so why is this critical to the founding of our nation? Because in 1734, as the Spirit of God moved throughout our land and, and people were being revived or, or people coming to Christ for the first time, there was a, a great change in the hearts of people. And there was a preparation for our leadership as the ground was being set for our own country, for our own Declaration of Independence for our own Constitution and our Bill of Rights. You see, those who experienced the Great Awakening were ready to have the Great American Revolution and a new land which we hold dear. Matter of fact, from the Journal of George Washington, we have this recorded prayer. He said, Let my heart, gracious God, 
be so affected with your glory and majesty that I may discharge those weighty duties which thou requirest of me. Again, I have called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of sins for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offered on the cross for me. Thou gavest thy son to die for me and hast given me assurance of my salvation. As a matter of fact, as you look at the early writings of our patriotic fathers, what source was most prevalent? Well, they they did a study of 15,000 of those writings of the University of Houston in the socio-political program. And out of those writings, 94% of the quotes by the founders of our nation, no surprise, were based on the Bible. There was a direct connection to the Bible. Third point, America was founded by men and women who acknowledged God's supreme rule over men and over nations. Matter of fact, as we look at our own Declaration of Independence, as we look at the prologue, we read these wonderful words. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. As a form of government... That pay tribute to the creator. And that the gifts that were endowed to people. The personalities. It all came from the creator. And and gifts from the creator. Who was to be acknowledged. And as you go on into the document. He is described as the supreme judge of the world. Of the one of providence. And we've probably all seen that painting of the first continental congress. That. Portrays the Congress on their knees. Praying. And crying out to God for guidance. Matter of fact, it was uh, written by John Adams in a letter about that Continental Congress. He said, the most amazing thing occurred. He said, even the stern old Quakers had tears gushing down their cheeks. I can't think of anything. That would be more of a blessing to be able to cut on C-SPAN and to see the members of Congress on their knees. Instead of yelling at one another, crying out to God, saying, God, it is such a mess. We need you, Lord. Enter our land. Enter our nation. Give us wisdom as leaders who you have brought to this place. God, we need you. Samuel Adams, the known in early days as the father of revolution, Declared, we have this day restored to the sovereign to whom all men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven and from the rising to the setting of the sun, let his kingdom come. When you look at history, quite honestly, it is impossible, I believe, for America to win the revolution without God stepping in. I mean, when you when you look at our our soldiers, our, our military, they were undertrained, they were underfunded, they were outgunned, and yet 
God brought forth victory. George Washington is God used him to work. God gave him an ability to pull people together and to help them to see a, a common cause. And I read that many of the soldiers in the winter didn't even have shoes. That's how underfunded they were. But they continued to march on. And God in his mercy birthed this land. He brought forth victory. Matter of fact, as we think about our land and we think about our three forms of government, have you ever thought about, well, where did we get the idea for these three forms of government? The executive, the legislative, and the judicial branches. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah 33, 22. I think it's interesting that both verses are chapter 33. Isaiah 33, 22. See if this looks a little familiar to our three branches of government. For the Lord is our judge. Judicial branch. The Lord is our lawgiver. Legislative branch. The Lord is our king, executive branch. But I want you to notice that the last phrase here does it does not put the onus of, upon the fact of those three areas of judge and lawgiver and king. It tells us that it is he who will save us. It's still true today. The answers that we so that we most desperately need are in God. It, it is not enough to, to write laws and, and even to enforce laws. The heart has to be changed. And that's the stuff of God. That is the work of God. And that is what is so desperately needed. Matter of fact, um, the tallest monument in Washington, D.C. is the Washington Monument. And if you were able to get to the highest point of the Washington Monument and to look on top of that highest point, you would discover the words in Latin translated to be in English, let God be praised. So if you come to the highest point of our highest monument in our capital city are the words, let God be praised. And, and there's still what... We need that people could look at our land and, and see not that we disagree with, but that we would agree that God be praised and that he grab our hearts. We are in a desperate need. We talked about in Sunday school, the differences that we have and the disagreements we have in politics and other areas. We all need a savior, regardless of where we disagree. We need to come together and realize we need hope. We need new life. We need Christ. And my prayer as we think about this founding day. Is that we. Like those founding fathers would say. This is not going to work. Unless we get on our knees. And cry out to God. And we're not. Going to last forever either. Jesus will return. But far from his return, if we leave God out, I don't know how long we'll be around either. Let's pray.
Father, as we come to worship you, the living God, we are grateful, Father, for a a history of a people who turned to you, Father, in great numbers as they came to hear your word. And then from, Father, those changed hearts, a document was penned that was created, Father, that our land is based on. Regardless of what we are told in some areas, that we are a multicultural land, that, Father, has a history of all religions. The truth is, Father, that we were born out of those who turn to Jesus, Lord. Not all the politicians turn to you, God. But it was the heart of a land that's Judeo-Christian. And Father, I pray that we would once again see you, Lord. All of the religions, Father, are about what can I do to please God? What can I do to reach up to the heavens and earn his favor? But Father, Christianity is different. It is about a God who... Uh, who knew quite clearly that our efforts were small, weak, and we needed help. And so you sent your one and only Son to come and to live among us and to walk among us in the incarnation as Jesus Christ and, and to go to the cross although he was sinless and to die although he deserved to be worshipped. He was hung on that wooden tree, Lord, that old tree. And Father, cursed, as the word says, but raised to life at the right hand of the Father. And now they are waiting for us to find forgiveness and mercy. This morning, Lord, as we come to worship you, uh, may our hearts be open as you work to trust you maybe for the first time, a Savior that wants to forgive. Father, if someone here has not received that forgiveness, may this be the morning, Lord. Someone here has not followed through in the ordinance of baptism, which is a picture of a life that's been changed by the work of Jesus in the heart. Going under the water, dying to an old way of life, coming out of the water, a new person worked anew through the resurrection of Jesus. Father, I pray that we would just say yes to the movement of your spirit, whatever that may be this morning, to pray at this altar, to trust you. Father, just work because we still need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.